positive rotation. Ignition. Welcome to Roll Call, a podcast of the 126th Air Refueling Wing, Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base, Illinois. I am your host, Tech Sergeant Seth White. The Roll Call podcast is focused on people, mission, and community. Thanks for listening. Today, we have a fun conversation about personal mobility, safety, and the Air Force through the eyes of a young professional. Welcome to the show, and congratulations to uh, Senior Airman Thomas Tate. Welcome. How are you? Doing quite well. How about yourself? I am doing well. We were having some pretty good banter just a little bit ago, and hopefully we can recreate some of that magic here. <laughs> so it was it was good. But, um, you know, just pinned on Senior Airmen, so, you know, that's got to be a great feeling, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a very, very good two years since yeah. I joined the unit. It almost feels like yesterday that I enlisted into the service, and... I've been enjoying every single moment of it. That's awesome. That is awesome. That is fantastic. Um, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask, so you did say you've been with us for two years now, and it's been a good two years. Um, prior to that, uh, do, you have any, do you have any family history in the Air Force? Like, what brought you to the Air Force and then specifically the Air National Guard? I am fourth-generation Air Force. Wow, My great-grandfather was a Tuskegee Airman during World War II. My grandfather served in the Vietnam War. My father served 26 years in the United States Air Force, retired right here at Scott Air Force Base as a master sergeant, and the fourth generation rounds out with me. Yeah. Wow. So you've got heritage. You've got history. Um, so that, that, that actually leads me to wonder, was it an expectation? Was it an automatic go that, okay, you're definitely going to join the Air Force? There's a little bit of expectation, you could say, but... The choice to join the Air Force was completely my own. My dad was super encouraging when I decided that I wanted to join the Air Force, follow after him. Mm -hmm. Though we have similar career fields, he did things a little bit differently. He was an age mechanic. He mm -hmm. was in the maintenance group for yeah. the first 12 years of his career. In the last 14, he served as a logistics planner over at AMC across the base. Logistics, okay. And we didn't specifically say what your job is. Your material management? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And so what brought you to that? Was that dad influence or was that like your own interest? I've always found the idea of military logistics very interesting. Mm. And when I took my ASVAB and I received the jobs that I was qualified for because mm -hmm. of my scores, mm -hmm. I saw material management on the list and saw that it was a logistics discipline. And after that, I was sold. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. And he was sold. He was, he was all in. Sign me up. Take my money. Wait, no. Pay me. <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> so tell me a little bit of the dynamics there. Like when you, your expectation uh, from the outside before you joined and then you get in, you're, you're getting your hands dirty, you're doing the work. Did it meet the expectations? Did it? Um, did you have an idea, a pretty good idea of what you're going to be doing, and are you doing that? I didn't fully understand the concepts of supply before I joined. Mm -hmm. After going to tech school and understanding the ins and outs of the job and then coming back from my mess days and doing my trainings, and, of course, the last two years that I've spent in LRS, it's exceeded my expectations. Okay. I couldn't have picked a better career field more suited for me. Oh wow! Ah, uh, shoot. Okay, because I know that you're a you're a, you're a uh, an engaging, easy to talk to 
people person. Now, I was going to try to recruit you to public affairs, but it sounds like you're right in your sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right then. Um, well, good stuff. Uh, so one of the things that we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, we, we did talk a little bit about your Air Force experience. I wanted to talk with you about something that is uh, up and coming in the Air Force. Hopefully there's a future, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that p- possible future. But about two years ago, um, Edwards Air Force Base started implementing a scooter program. So, uh, so that airmen can use scooters around around the base, and um, I thought that was pretty neat. Some folks here around the office thought it was pretty neat, and it's it has shown up in Air Force news uh, a couple different couple different places. Stars and Stripes, um, they have a uh, let me see one of their titles: Solar powered electric scooters make make their Air Force debut at Edwards in California. And so that was September of 2020. So here we are. A couple years later, it doesn't seem like it's really grown that much, but let's talk a little bit about that initial idea. Do you think that's a good go? I love the idea of having scooter stations Mm -hmm. on Air Force bases. For one, you're saving on fuel for a vehicle if you own a vehicle, Mm -hmm. so you don't have to drive everywhere across base. You can just hop on a scooter and get to where you need to go without expanding fuel. Yeah, 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 and especially with... uh, you know, it's volatile, it's dynamic, the price of gas up and down, uh, it's a roller coaster. That is the truth. <laughs> and that is itself a divisive topic. But uh, yeah, in order to not spend gas or spend as little as possible, something like a scooter I think is, I think is a, pretty good, uh, a, a pretty good idea. I, I don't know how well they've been managing it. And like I said, it's been a couple of years now. Um, but given that time, uh, I guess COVID is really the thing that kind of slowed everything down. <clears throat> Given that time, I would have thought that it would have gotten more popular. I saw through research that Hill started implementing scooters as well. And there are certain restricted areas. And so in those areas that the scooters won't go. And that's that's great that it's not just Edwards that, that has it. But um, do you think that's something that we could maybe impl- implement here at Scott? Or not that you have the authority to do it. But <laughs> would, is it something you would like to see personally? I personally would like to see it. It could be beneficial to a lot of people, especially those who don't own vehicles mm-hmm. or don't mm-hmm. have the ability to drive quite yet. Mm-hmm. It's perfect implementation for personal travel over around the base without having to have rely on a car. Yeah, yeah. They talk about how um, you see like Lime scooters, I think was a thing for a while, and they were just showing up at all kinds of random places, discarded and, and not cared for and, and all that jazz. I think if we can avoid some of those things, um, then it would, be, it would be a good go. Can you think of any other negatives that we'd, that we'd have to look out for to uh, make it work for us? Primary negative would be, of course, maintaining like the scooter stations themselves. Like maintenance of anything is probably one of the biggest issues with like city bikes mm-hmm. in big cities. And mm-hmm. of course, like you said, Lime scooters, like maintenance is probably the most, I would say prevalent issue when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think the pros mainly outweigh the cons. Yeah. I think one of the, well, one of the considerations I think is, is always safety. Air Force is absolutely big on safety. And so 
um, it seems like they would implement uh, requirements similar to riding a bicycle, you know, making sure that you have your helmet. Um, I think that would be good. You don't have that during, in, in the middle of the city, someone just pays for a scooter or whatever. It's not like they're carrying a helmet on them. So they're just uh, out there willy-nilly. Do you think that that's something that uh, we would need to implement? Or? Most definitely. Safety should be a number one concern at all times. And like you said, safety is very important to the Air Force. We train on it all the time Yeah, with our CBTs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Air Force loves safety. I mean, we got we to gotta keep the asset. The number one asset in the Air Force is the airman. You, Senior Airman Tate, you're the number one asset in the Air Force. Can't do the job without the personnel. This is true. This is true. Can't do the job without the personnel. When we say safety, um, when you are out personally, uh, do you ride helmet 100% of the time? 100% of the time. I never leave my house without the helmet. Okay. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good helmets out there, too. I think, I think with um, PEVs uh, becoming... I think with PEVs becoming more prevalent and more out there, more regular presence... Uh, in cities and towns on the streets, I think that more people should wear helmets and protective gear as necessary. They've actually come out with a helmet, a new helmet standard um, that fits. Now, a lot of these PEVs go around 20, and so in that range, a mountain bike helmet is is pretty... Um, a mountain bike helmet, something is that's rated at that range, that speed range, is probably one of the safest things you can get. A motorcycle helmet, you could do, but that's a pretty heavy piece of equipment on your head. Exactly. Uh, you know, and so you don't have to go all out motorcycle helmet. I have one that's just shy of a motorcycle helmet, uh, the the brand, uh, that, that chrome dome that I wear. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, the very, very stylish helmet that you got. Yeah, it's got the Bluetooth in there, too. <laughs> yeah, but so so that's not not quite a motorcycle helmet. It's, it's really more considered a board sport or mountain biking helmet. Um, dirt, bike, dirt bikers wear it, too, but, you know, that's, you, you have your own choices. So... Yeah, lots of lots of variety there. Helmets are important. Protect your noggin. Protect your noggin. All right. Um, so I I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit because I kind of want to know a little bit about your your future plans. I know that you said that so far up to this point that you've had an enjoyable time in the Air Force, the Air National Guard. Um, what are your future plans? I plan to make a career out of it, mm -hmm. just like everyone before me. With my Air Force heritage, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Ever since I was four years old, I decided I'm joining the military at some point in my life and making it a career. And Very growth cool. is something that I'm always seeking. I always seek to be better, not just in my job, but as an airman in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as life goes on, I will always look for ways to grow and whether my career continues here at Scott Air Force Base or another unit elsewhere in the country, I will be serving my country for as long as I can. Okay, okay. And you said you said continued growth and improvement. That sounds a lot like excellence in all we do. I'm just saying. <laughs> I take great pride in our core values. Absolutely, absolutely. That's good, that's good. Why specifically the Illinois Air National Guard? Why the 126th? It kind of stems back from 
back in early 2019, I had a unscheduled departure from college. And with that unscheduled departure came with revamping my approach to wanting to join the military. My original plan was to graduate from an, a college, a four-year college, yeah. through an ROTC program and commission as an officer. But, of course, some things happen, life happens. I had to come back home and re, replan my, uh, my, my attack at, okay. at yep. my dream. And a good friend of mine who's in the maintenance group, his name is Julian Williams, recommended me to the Air National Guard. I looked it up, saw what I, what I really liked out of, out of it. Sure. May, I made an appointment with a recruiter, and the rest is history. Okay, and the rest is history. We're super thankful to our recruiters and uh, and really just just the the individuals that are out there telling the Air Force story, talking about the Guard. And so, uh, had it not been for that, and of course our recruiters, then uh, we wouldn't have you here. Yeah, you're a, you're a valuable member of the team, and uh, we welcome you. We, we're thankful for having you here. I'm glad to be here. I yeah. love love being in this unit. I love this unit. Nice. So. Tell us a little bit about tech school. Once you once you got in and once you got going, uh, did it rack your brain, man? Did it kill you? Was it was it rocket science? There's some aspects of material management that are rather complex. Some parts that I'm still struggling with myself, but of course that's why we have training. That's why I have excellent supervisors to teach me what I need to know about the trade. Yeah. But overall, everything that I learned in tech school was very helpful to what I'm doing right now. How long is the tech school? It was six weeks. Six weeks, okay. And um, how many of these? How many of these these skills are transferable into the civilian market? Everybody needs supply of some sort. Mm. Every the key to every successful operation is logistics. Yeah, Amazon deals in logistics. It's a prime example. Every company that makes a product has to have a means of transporting said product to retailers to sell that product. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's many jobs out there that are perfect for this AFSC, yeah. especially when you decide to get out. So I've got to give you I've got to give you props and credit for the fact that you said uh, Amazon is a prime example. <laughs> uh, I felt that. I felt that in my heart. <laughs> Had to throw in a little pun there. That was very punny. Yeah. So once you uh, once you do get out and and, you know, in the Air Force and the military in general, we have the opportunity to retire at a younger than average age. And so you have these skills and you'll be able to you'll be able to put them out wherever and continue to work if you want to. Most definitely. There are a lot of traditionals and LRS who work for Boeing. Mm doing the exact same thing they do here in the guard, but in the civilian sector. Mm, nice. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So we're going to transition just a little bit. Scooters are one way to get around. And what we've been calling these, um, the official term is a PEV, a personal electric vehicle. And I think that we're going to see more and more of these alternative modes of getting around are becoming more and more prevalent. And I would even say important, um, I myself call I, I identify as a part-time environmentalist. I say part-time because sometimes it's it's not convenient. But I, you know, if we all do a little bit, then it adds up to a lot. So most definitely, yeah, for sure. 
Um, and uh, that's that's what I've thought for the longest time. But there are a lot of other ways to get around. It's not just a scooter. It's a personal electric vehicle is the term used for things like electric scooters, electric unicycles, electric skateboards, electric insert wheeled vehicle here, and also things like a one wheel. So a one wheel is a self-balancing electric skateboard with one fat wheel in the middle of it, about the size of a go-kart wheel. Not to be, and that's a side stance, not to be confused with an electric unicycle, which is more of a forward stance, like skiing instead of snowboarding. And it has a much larger wheel, more akin to a bicycle wheel. What's your experience with that? Do you have any of those? I do. I own two one wheels and an electric skateboard. And an electric skateboard. Okay. Tell us about, uh, tell us about each and why. One wheels, my inspiration for getting a one wheel all stems from a YouTube channel that mm-hmm. I watch. It's called Corridor Digital. Mm-hmm. And one of their members owns a one wheel and he rides it all the time on the channel. When I got my first one wheel two years ago, I saw a video weeks ago of Ren Weichman, the guy who owns the one wheel on Corridor Digital, mm. doing a video about it. And after seeing that video, I decided I have to get me one of those. Yeah. It's the future. Most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> I would argue it's probably the best personal electric vehicle on the market today. Ooh, okay. I so I'm gonna agree with you, and I gotta I gotta go ahead and fess up and say I too have a one wheel. So I've been playing koi a little bit. Um, we've actually ridden together. Very short though, because it was cold and my my kids couldn't hang. <laughs> but we've actually ridden together. Uh, we both have one wheels. I have the one wheel pint X, and it's uh, it's fantastic. But um, in addition to in addition to one wheels, I mean there are hoverboards. Uh, I always, I cringe when I hear hoverboard. As do I. Two reasons. One, I feel like they're more dangerous. And two, I feel like a one wheel is much more of a hoverboard than a hoverboard. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with, with those, if you're falling forward, you're already two toes down and compromised. But um, what do you think as far as the practicality of instead of scooters? What if instead of scooters... There was a fleet of one wheels. Oh, my goodness. Do you think that is a realistic possibility for something like the Air Force? Being a certified one wheeler, I would love to see a fleet of one wheels moving around bases. It's one of the greatest sights seeing other one wheelers whenever you're riding yourself. Yeah. I, so it is. It is. But... So a scooter, I feel like a scooter is something you can have no experience and you can hop on and get safely from one point to another. Most definitely. I feel like you need some training with a one wheel. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So if, if, if Colonel What's a Who's It and General Who's a Bobbit is like, I need to get to the other side, let me hop on this one wheel thingy, the likelihood of them, I don't remember which one's a What's a Who's It and Who's a Bobbit, but the, <laughs> the likelihood of one of them busting their face open just with with absolutely no training and trying to rush from one place to another i just feel like it's it's higher most definitely scooters are much more user friendly the one wheel beginner friendly beginner friendly yeah the one wheel i would say if you've ridden a skateboard yeah before you have experience doing that even snowboarding or surfing any board sport experience exactly yeah yeah it's a zillion times more fun than a scooter Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Hands down. A zillion times more fun. 
So you mentioned that your dad retired. Did you say 26 years? 26 years. 26 years in the Air Force. And, and my, my father, around that same time period, um, or, or duration rather, he also retired Air Force. And so I want to ask as far as, um, as far as performance expectation goes, uh, is he hard on you? He's never been that critical of me because we have some degree of different mindsets when it comes to approaching things. I'm very pragmatic and to the point when it comes to working. He's much more folksy than I am. Okay. It's kind of hard to believe I'm feeling pretty folksy right now. <laughs> right on. Okay. So, and, and I'm talking, I'm talking Air Force. So does he, does he have like, okay, son, you're going to retire as a master sergeant and uh, I need you to, I need you to ride this thing out. Has that conversation ever happened? That's never, ever come up in our conversations. He tells me about his experiences, and a lot of times his experiences turns into advice for me going forward in my career. Mm. He's a very wise man, of course, retired in NCO. He has Mm -hmm. some knowledge. Yeah, some experience. He's been around the block. Most definitely. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I... So, uh, yes, my, my dad and I, we, we've talked quite a bit about Air Force career. We've gone, uh, not arguing at all, but just, just kind of gone back and forth. And he has been a career advisor. And, uh, you know, he'll drop some gems and he'll leave it there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, here's, here's the information, here's the knowledge, here are the resources. You're an adult, <laughs> you know? And so, so that's, that's really been that. So tell us a little bit about your writing experience. Are you, uh, you, you strike me as uh, an adrenaline junkie, a live and die by my tricks <laughs> guy. You probably do backflips off of buildings and land uh, riding switch. No? <laughs> Is that you? I mean, I wish I was that talented of a writer. There are so many other writers out there in the community that can just rip it on a one wheel. The only real trick that I can do on a one wheel is a tailspin. Okay. A little bit of a tail slide every now and then. Oh, for sure. Right on. I gotcha. Yeah, I got I got a little bit of that. And I just, uh, you know, I just, I carve it up a little bit, but I mostly just like to get from point, point A to point B in a really fun way. Oh, yes. You know, cut through parking lots, cut across grass and stuff like that. Um, ride to the dream. I, I actually just, uh, I was looking at my app and I've had it since the beginning of the year. Uh, so I've, you know, I've had it, I've had it for a good five months now and I hit 700 miles, Nice, nice. 730 miles. And, uh, it's, it's not just a toy. You can, you can really get out and about, you know? So have you ever, have you gotten any pushback? Like, Oh, why would you spend so much money on this toy or anything like that from anybody? A few people. I've had a few people say when you spent two grand on a electric skateboard, like you could have. Put that money somewhere and they, else. And they do start lower than that. Oh, yes. But you, the choice that you made the, for the for what you wanted and the extras and whatever is was around there. Yeah. Oh, yes. I get occasional pushback every now and then. You spend all this money on an electric skateboard. You could have put that money somewhere else. Whew. Man. I mean, seven, 700, 700 miles, um, that's, a, that's a significant amount of gas. And it's a lot more fun way to get around. Oh, yes. <laughs> so a significant amount of gas savings, I should say. A lot of times I use my one wheel as a means of decompressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if I'm having a terrible day and the weather's nice, I'll just hop on my one wheel, take a cruise, listen to some music while I'm riding and just vibe out. Absolutely. 
and just kind of let the let the shred carry you. Oh yeah, <laughs> just float on. Um, I many a time um, will just uh, absolutely decompress. It's been called a, I guess, an antidepressant machine. Like it's just a, uh, it just it just feels good to get out and ride, especially if you've got. And this is not necessarily uh, the the particular product that we have. This can be, uh, you know, an, an electric skateboard. You've got multiple products, um, but it's. It's good to get out and do something, you know, during the time of being locked down. That was part of the reason that I got it um, was to get out and, you know, just kind of free my mind a little bit, like Morpheus would say. Most definitely. When I was doing the second round of COVID duty in Springfield, Mm -hmm. I brought my one wheel with me Mm. and I would just ride around Springfield to decompress after the workday, sort of break out of the grind. Mm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. I was riding out and about, and then I got a message from a friend. They said, Sess, are you in Mascuda riding right now? I said, I am riding right now, but I'm, I'm not in Mascuda. I, I, know, I know a buddy who is. <laughs> and then uh, I think, do, do you remember I actually sent you a message? I remember. I was about halfway into my usual ride around my hometown in Mascuda, just down the road, and you told me that a friend of yours asked you if you were riding in Mascuda and then you sent me the message and I connected the dots I'm like yeah that's definitely me riding around town yeah (laughs) yep and that that friend by the way she's in the unit uh shout out to Molly Six uh thanks for the 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 nonsense sighting that was a Tate sighting (laughs) that was a Tate sighting uh oh yeah and I had I had one other thing I had one other thing this is a joke this is a joke specifically from me to you all right listen what do you call any test that Thomas takes? I don't know. A Tate measure. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> As we round out this discussion, I, I think uh, I want to get a few, of your, a few of your words, not just from the Air Force standpoint of riding electric, but uh, just in public in general, do you think that it's a general good thing or not? Nah? I think it's a very, very good thing for the public, especially um, like we've stated several times in this podcast, the rising gas prices. I know for sure everyone's feeling the pain of that. I drive a vehicle that takes diesel and I have, am, I'm at 523 a gallon. Jeez. Wow. That's bonkers oh smurf that (laughs) 523 a gallon is not something that i enjoy i really miss the days when it was 440 sure for a gallon of diesel oh golly Uh, it's it's weird to hear you say i miss the days of 440 per gallon that's (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's incredible uh but uh yeah just just from the just from those concerns from the environmental concerns uh, I think it is really pleasant um, to see more people out riding electric, getting outside, getting some sun, and taking these alternatives to traditional travel. So I think uh, I think it's a very good thing. Uh, senior Airman Thomas Tate, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we can have you again on another topic, and uh, I look forward to that. As do I. With your look around the Air Force, I'm Staff Sergeant Benjamin Cooper. The updated versions of the Air Force's brown and blue books are now available. 
The Enlisted Force Structure, or Brown Book, provides a baseline for airmen to meet mission requirements, while the Profession of Arms, our core values known as the Blue Book, provides guidance at all levels on the service's institutional values and guiding principles. Changes to the Brown Book include added topics like airman leadership qualities and multi-capable airmen, keeping in line with the Air Force vision to accelerate change across the enterprise. The Blue Book calls on airmen to commit to individual and institutional improvements. It cites stalking, bullying, extremism, and discrimination as eroding behaviors to the Air Force Foundation, and that engaging in and tolerating sexual assault and harassment violates the core values. The first T-7A Red Hawk training aircraft rolled off the production line in St. Louis with a special ceremony. It's the first of 351 aircraft to be delivered from Boeing. The aircraft's iconic red tail symbol is for the famed Tuskegee Airmen of World War II, and the name Red Hawk comes from the Curtis P-40 Warhawk, one of the aircraft flown by the Tuskegee Airmen. Lieutenant General Richard Clark, U.S. Air Force Academy Superintendent, said with the rollout of the aircraft, the Air Force honors its history and heroes. The KC-46A Pegasus program hit a major milestone last month when the aircraft completed its first ever refueling of Spanish EF-18 Hornets during a major training exercise at Marone Air Base, Spain. Officials say the mission marks the first international receiver for the KC-46A, leading to stronger interoperability with allies and partners. The Pegasus is going through a series of operational tests called the Interim Capability Release Plan to enhance KC-46A operations. That's your look around the Air Force. The 126th Air Refueling Wing is on the Air Force Connect app. You can find it where you download apps for your device. Once it opens, go to the bottom right. Click the star. It'll take you to the Add More section. You can search for the 126th and tap the plus sign next to the 126th insignia to add the 126th to your app. If you're having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, call the Military Crisis Line, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. Also, you can chat through their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another way to get help is the Crisis Text Line. Text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838255. The Crisis Text Line. Text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838255. I want to thank you for listening. If you want to pass along some information, you can email Roll Call at 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. I'm not going to repeat it. You can just rewind. Roll Call is a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Tech Sergeant Sess White. Till next time. Yeah.